Goldendale, and hello to all of my fellow liberty-loving Americans all across the fruited plains from sea to shining sea. This is the host who loves you the most, Luke Throop, here on another terrific Tuesday morning, friends. Torch Report 298, all about deep fakes and the deep state. We will be analyzing the risks associated with living in a post-truth era. May logic prevail. May logic prevail. You know, uh, when I say may logic prevail, I'm well aware that that's not likely given the fact that we're emotional creatures, right? I I just, we're going to come at this idea of deep fakes. I'm not sure if you're familiar with deep fakes and the fact that the deep state has access to deep fakes and how that might be used against we the people and all that. But we got to we got to frame it by first wrapping our mind around the uh, oh, shall we say the fallibility of the human mind, our 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 ability to get lost in the mental mirage and the house of mirrors, because we are emotional creatures. As every crook and swindler knows full well, every corrupt politician, every used car salesman, every deep state propagandist knows exactly how to push our buttons and trigger the emotional reactions that shut down critical thinking, literally blood receding from the prefrontal cortex and, and, you know, operating out of the primitive mind, you know, some people like car salesmen, they just have a knack for that. Other people, like the state propagandists, they understand the science of it. And it's the science of all of this deception that I want to I want to get into today. I want to address that today. You know, take for example, just off the top, you know, looking out in the news today, there's this, you know, this neo-Nazi plot to blow up the power stations and plunge Baltimore in the darkness. You know, if we look at that, how do we know? what we know about this plot. What do we know about this plot for real? In other words, you know, in in reality, we only know what the never ending news cycle tells us, right? That's kind of true for most of the stories that are out there. We only know what the news tells us. So how many people do you think are going to dig into that story? Uh, maybe do some independent research, track some things down, see if things add up or, or maybe even follow up on it in a day or two. Virtually no one, right? I mean, you know, you know that nobody's going to do that, you know. But what was the impression of this information on the public psyche? Now, that is a question. The impression is that there are a bunch of Nazi white supremacists who are trying to destroy democracy by taking out the power grid and inflicting maximum pain on innocent people in the process. You know, that's that's the story out there. These are the, you know, the bespoke right-wing extremists. You know, they're racists, Christian insurrectionists. That's, you know, that, that the people that the left keep squawking about. That's who's guilty or associated by, you know, guilt by association here. And... You know, also, this story gives fodder to the FBI to further advance the narrative that the threat posed by domestic violent extremists is evolving and persistent. That's why this story is frontline news. It feeds the narrative and it does it just in time for Biden's, you know, his big speech. Right. He's going to his big, you know, second uh you know, State of the Union address. He's going to tell us how great the economy's doing and how wonderful everything is now that we're building back better. You know, and of course, he's going to warn the country about all those radical right wing extremists and those crazy domestic and terrorists, you know, that are out there trying to attack the uh, power grid and all that. Anyway, that that's what's going to go on here. We can, you know, pretty much predict that's going to happen. 
But did you notice they're putting the fences back up around the White House, you know, to protect Congress ahead of the State of the Union? Why do you think that is? You know, Democrats loathe the idea that walls are effective. Come on, you know, walls aren't effective. You know, it's unhuman, you know, <laughs> when it's like at the southern border trying to stop human trafficking and drug smugglers and all that, you know. Uh, but, you know, it, it, we look at this again, may logic prevail. Couldn't some crackpot still do something stupid? They're putting the fences up around the White House like that's going to protect the people inside. You know, couldn't somebody stupid do something stupid regardless of the fence? Of course, you know, and aren't there about a billion special agents crawling all over the sprawling capital grounds? You know, don't we have the best, most highly trained intelligence agencies in the world tracking every conceivable threat from every conceivable angle at, you know, all times with the more, world's most powerful surveillance tools? You know, don't we have a lot of things protecting the president and Congress? you know, it, it already. So you think this fence, you know, given all of that, does it seem like this fence, it might just be for optics, right? Maybe I'm speculating here, but what would those, you know, what do those optics convey? What's the impression of them putting up a fence? The impression is that the threat of domestic extremists is real and they're lurking in the shadows and they may spring out and strike at any moment with their torches and their pitchforks, you know? That's what the fence conveys, along with the fact that the government is wary of the peasants getting uppity about all the political corruption, which is predictable, right? So, you know, if, if it's showing that, oh my gosh, you know, that we need to protect because people might be disgruntled and do something stupid. That's what I'm saying there. You know, you can't just destroy a culture and usurp the will of the people and run roughshod over constitutionally protected rights without consequences, like the peasants getting uppity, you know, but this whole fence thing, is just optics. And, then again, if you think about it, maybe, <laughs> you know, can they just run roughshod over the constitutionally protected rights of the people without expecting consequences? Can they get away with that? Because if they can convince people that a threat is real and that this threat justifies an intrusion upon and or sacrifice of individual liberties, then they just might be able to get away with murder or highway robbery or stealing an election in broad daylight or, or any other kind of evil shenanigan precisely because people would believe their version of the story, right? You see how that works. Hence the opening remark about the post-truth era. Now, this post-truth era, you know, we're, we're in an era where people don't know what to believe. And, you know, you think about COVID, and now, you know, you still see people walking around with masks on. Matter of fact, I just found out that my uh, my wife's cousin is, uh, her, you know, potentially losing her license as a pharmacist because she refuses to wear a mask, even though we've had the, you know, the, the head of the CDC. We've you know, all the doctors are out there now saying, you know, masks don't work. There's not a study in the world that says that masks work. Well, no shit, Sherlock. I've been saying that and a lot of other people have been saying that from the very beginning. There, there never have been. It's mathematically impossible, but nevertheless, you know, my wife's cousin is about to lose her medical or her pharmacist license because she refuses to wear a damn mask. But it, it, the truth of that matter is not uh, agreed upon by the populace. Some people believe that masks work. Some people do not believe that masks work. Who's right? Who gets, you know, which is the truth? What do you know? It's whatever people want to believe. And so this post-truth era where people are just going to believe whatever has been spoon-fed to them most of the time, 
few people, you know, go through the due diligence to learn, you know, dig up the facts and compare and contrast and come up with their own informed perspective, which is, of course, uh, what sets you aside. The astute listening audience to the Torch Report, you are truly intellectually curious peasants. you like, <laughs> well, you're probably not a peasant. I'm, I'm a peasant. I'm a curious peasant. But, uh, you know, friends, you have a thirst for knowledge and understanding and you seek the truth. And I, I value and appreciate that more than I can put words to right now. Now, interestingly enough, you know, all this talk about post-truth era. As I was looking, I thought, you know, somebody's probably done an essay on that or something. So I, I did a little search, and the first thing that popped up, none other than, drumroll, boom, the commies that are taking over the world. No, it was the WEF, the World Economic Forum's very own Yuval Harari. You know, that guy who says that we're all soulless, hackable animals and that the elites do not need the majority of the human population. That guy. He claims that Homo sapiens have always lived in a post-truth era. Okay? He said, we're, it's always been like that. We've always been in a post-truth era. And he's not entirely wrong here. So let, let, let's consider this illuminating passage uh, from his post-truth uh, era essay here. He says, and I quote, a cursory look at history reveals that propaganda and disinformation are nothing new. In fact, humans have always lived in the age of post-truth. Centuries ago, millions of Christians locked themselves inside a self-reinforcing mythological bubble, never daring to question the factual veracity of the Bible, while millions of Muslims put their unquestioning faith in the Quran. We have zero scientific evidence that Eve was tempted by the serpent, but, that, but the, that the souls of all infidels burn in hell after they die, or that the creator of the universe doesn't like it when a Brahmin marries a Dalit. Yet, billions of people have believed in these stories for thousands of years. Some fake news lasts forever, period, end quote. Thank you, Mr. Harari Yuval. Yuval Harari. That guy's name drives me nuts. Anyway, he goes on to make this point. And by the way, this is, this is the link to this essay is coming from a TED Talk. It's an idea worth spreading. So I'm sharing it with you here. Now, Yuval Harari goes on to say, when a thousand people believe some made-up story for one month, that's fake news. When a billion people believe it for a thousand years, that's a religion. And we are admonished not to call it fake news in order not to hurt the feelings of the faithful or to incur their wrath. End quote. Now, obviously, this man is not short on his opinions, but he's not entirely wrong here, right? One, one might wonder how Yuval Harari would characterize the astonishing rise of Satanism in the good old U.S. of A. Or, you know, that, that just so happened to be on full display at the Grammys last night or whenever that was, like, you know, recently. You know, but that's not really the point here. It's not it's not just the fact that he's an arrogant, atheistic a-hole, you know, but it, the point is he understands exactly what makes people tick. It's the story beneath our beliefs. Okay, the story beneath our beliefs is what what drives our behavior. And this this is the passage here that reveals really the true genius of the globalist strategy. Quote, and this is again in a pulling from the article there, Homo sapiens is a post-truth species. 
who conquered this planet thanks above all else to the unique human ability to create and spread fictions. We are the only mammals that can cooperate with numerous strangers because only we can invent fictional stories, spread them around, and convince millions of others to believe in them as well. As long as everybody believes in the same fictions, we all obey the same laws and can thereby cooperate effectively. Period. End quote. Now, that is a juicy nugget right there. Something to chew on. As long as everybody believes in the same fictions, we all obey the same laws. We're the only creatures that can, uh, you know, create up our own story and, you know, convince a million people to believe it. Right. Says the globalist hack who's trying to depopulate the earth. Hey, as long as everybody believes in the same fiction, we're all going to obey the same laws. And that is exactly correct. For example, if we believe that the government has the authority to take our money and force us to live out our days in servitude to the state, then we will all continue to remain obedient to the totalitarian regime. On the contrary, if everybody were to believe that no human has the right to forcefully impose their will upon other people, then such behavior, you know, that that's the behavior of tyrants. That's not okay. It's unacceptable. Then we could refrain from complying with state sanctioned tyranny. It's all about the beliefs. It's all about the fiction is the, you know, the fiction is the authority, the greatest superstition, Larkin Rose. I've written about this. We've talked about it. Now, when we change the story, we change the laws. It's the absolute sacredness of the law. That is the ultimate fiction. Yes, friends, we are a nation of laws. At least we used to be. Now lawlessness abounds, you know, but yes, most people want to be good law abiding citizens, not good humans, but, you know, good law abiding citizens, you know, yes, rules, regulations and law enforcement have their place in civil society. You know, I'm not advocating anarchy here, but, 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 you know, the idea that laws are sacred and must not be broken is nothing more than an illusion. And I would say it's a very slippery slope. That's the, you know, you slide right into the inescapable global socialist surveillance state in global tyranny and a dystopian hell if you believe that laws are sacred and must not be broken because they're going to just make up whatever the hell law they want to. And if people believe the fiction, then we can all, you know, live by the same laws. That's what global governance is all about. But that's also why peaceful non-compliance and massive civil disobedience are so powerful because we can, you know, share the truth that this is a fiction, you know, that, you know, laws are not sacred here. They're just making this stuff up. We don't have to obey, you know, that's why controlling the narrative and censoring the flow of information are so powerful because if, if they can control the narrative and they can control people's beliefs and then they can control the law, you know, by shaping the story that people believe, the puppet masters can control public perception and behavior. And as we've learned, they can do this with clinical precision, which is why in Hackable Animals, your guide to the Great Reset and the New World Order, in that recently published ebook, I posited weaponized AI as the greatest threat facing humanity today. Because with it, with weaponized AI, they are not only capable, they are actually reshaping reality in real time. This convergence of technological capacity and the underlying tyrannical intent is what was exposed in the Twitter files and the Google leaks. But what happened with the Twitter files and the Google leaks? You know, not surprisingly, you know, the deep state had their fingers all over the whole mess. 
And just today, Elon Musk comes out. He exposed the uh, Department of State's Global Engagement Center. And he said this is a threat to our democracy because, you know, there's, you know, coordinating state sanctioned censorship and they're interfering with our elections. That's what Twitter file said. That's what the Google said. But what's happening about it? You know, do you think there's ever going to be any accountability? To be honest, friends, I don't. I think that we're past that now, precisely because they can control the narrative so effectively. And, you know, th- this is where things take an eerie twist here. You know, just to dump, jump into the deep end with the deep fakes. Are you familiar with the term deep fake? Uh, I've seen a lot of headlines out lately cropping up, you know, deep fake this, deep fake that. It's kind of like a fake ID, you know, but with a 21st century twist. By using artificial intelligence, bad actors or state actors are now using computer-generated images to make deep fakes that would fool your own mother. You know, Photoshop is nothing compared to what these AI supercomputers can do to you. They can make you look great. They can make Tom Hanks look young again, you know. And just to give you a little taste of what's out there uh, with deep fake technology, check out these, these headlines here. I put a few links in the report today. The first one says analyzing the rise of deep fake voice technology. That's coming from Forbes. And they're like, holy smokes, you know, they can use, you know, captured vocal prints and create deep fake voice. Makes it sound like somebody said something they didn't say. Hmm. You know, next one. This AI startup can deep fake you into a Hollywood movie. Wow, they can just, you know, take you and plug you into a movie. How cool is that? It's like virtual reality. Okay, the last one here, the rise of the post-truth sex tape, you know, deep fake pornography. Hello, what the hell? You know, while <laughs> while some people might think, oh, this is fun, this is entertaining, it's kind of cool, look at all these good things. If you search uh, deep fake, you're going to get a list of all these apps that you can get to get to make your own deep fake voice technology to insert yourself into whatever movie you want or and all that. Okay, but. Obviously, the potential for criminal abuse is absolutely unbelievable, you know, but even that the potential for criminal abuse is not the bigger issue here because some fake news lasts forever. Remember, and as long as everybody believes the same fictions, then then we're all going to obey the same laws. Remember, you know, that's not my words. That's that would be the globalist talking there. Now, you see where I'm going with this, friends? It's not just that anyone with access to these tools can easily, you know, create a deep fake to extort their enemies. That's that's an issue, you know, but it's that the deep state can now use deep fakes to create whatever fiction they want. And then they can propagate this fiction throughout the media while simultaneously censoring any opposing information. And they can do this by deploying the weaponized AI with the push of a button. OK, it's it's mind boggling what they can do. I'm sure you recall the sentinel surveillance and the social listening and the algorithmic social interventions. You know, don't forget the globalists have already been using these tools to manipulate the outcome of elections for years. Now think about what they can do with deep fakes, literally rewrite history in real time. And that becomes the only history. And how will anybody know the difference? Okay. How will anybody know if it's a deep state created deep fake or not? Okay. That's, that's huge. And if we were to question the government on the use of these technologies, you know, how might the government respond? Ah, yes, that's right. They would have to further develop such technologies in order to keep us safe from 
technologies. You know, that they would have to regulate the industry and make sure that only the most powerful versions of these technologies were only in the hands of a few selected advisors, you know, kind of like nuclear codes and all that. But whatever they did, whatever they did, for sure, we would know that they would have to do everything they could to make sure the peasants could not use this technology to thwart the tyrannical impulse of an authoritarian regime, because that, my friends, would be a threat to global democracy. They would implore and coerce and convince us to trust them, assuring us that such technologies would only be used for the greater good of society. You know, whatever the hell that means to them in any given moment. They would claim that having the globalist hack overseeing the government's use of these technologies via the Global Engagement Center was a good thing because only by destroying misinformation can they protect democracy, preserve the planet, and save us from ourselves. You see, my friends, they simply have to take control. There's no other way. And now they have the tools to do it. And if they have to use deep fakes to do it, so be it because the ends justify the means, if only in their twisted minds. Friends, that is the message of my heart for today. If you're enjoying this podcast, please take the time to find that little heart on the Substack app or on the website. Click that heart and give me some love. Subscribe if you have not subscribed already. And of course, the greatest honor of all is if you share this podcast with someone. Share it with, share it with a friend. Share it with a coworker. Share it with everyone you know. Friends, get out there and embrace this terrific Tuesday. And I'll look forward to talking to you again soon.